Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. I, uh, I had a, quite an adventure a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my wife, Jackie, she went off to uh, Gateway Church in Texas for some freedom training to bring back to our church. And, uh, and I was really pumped because that meant I got to take a couple days off and spend with my kiddos. Uh, now, if you don't, if maybe this is your first time here, my name is Matt. My wife and I are the lead pastors. And we have three kids, three girls. We have a six-year-old. We have a four, about to be five. And we have a one-year-old. And uh, all girls. So I was really excited. But right before Jackie left, we noticed that there was a leak underneath our sink. Not a big deal. She said, hey, babe, I, I, I think we have a leak. Now, we weren't aware of this leak, uh, obviously, for a long period of time because we didn't recognize it until it started overflowing out of the bottom onto our hardwood floor and damaging, doing all that fun stuff. And uh, so I said, no worries. I got this. Daddy daycare, plumber, no worries. So we drop Jackie off. I take a picture underneath the sink because I figured out that it was the hose. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me give you a quick picture. Um, so this was out with the old and in with the new. Uh, but we have that, that little thing that spits out the water also pulls out. It has a hose attached to it. And it was profusely leaking from the hose. So every time we would turn the water on, it would just it would drip and drip and drip. And, and I think that's why it was so hard for us to recognize it because everything was flowing on the surface. But underneath, we have a bunch of junk. Can I show you what we have underneath? Um, we have a bunch of stuff <laughs> underneath our sink. Now, I'm not a hater on Resolve, but that thing stained my carpet. It's supposed to clean it, and it stained it. What's going on? Maybe I didn't follow instructions. But we have so many things cluttered under, underneath our sink, and so we obviously you can't see a leak with all that clutter. And so I took a picture, went down to the plumber, said, hey, my friend, walked in with my three girls. I need a hose. And uh, so he looks at the picture, he's like, hmm, <laughs> these are very specific. Because I guess the manufacturers want the continued business, so these are very, very specific. And your picture's not that good, I can't tell. I said, look again. Can you try one more time? Just, just take another look, please. He's like, uh, I'm sorry, I, I can't tell what type of hose it is. You're going to have to go home, detach it, and bring it back. Okay, no problem. So go home, get underneath the sink. Three kids running around trying to make this happen. And, and I'm not a handyman if you know me. But I figured things out. And so took off the hose, went back with my three kiddos. Finally, they're like, this is our second home. So <laughs> give him the hose. And he looks and he's like, I'm like, come on, man. You were like, you are the plumbing supply in the Tri-Valley. You got this. And he says, no. He says, you know what? I think I might have one for you. So he goes in the back, grabs a hose comes back out and, yes, I, was like, I never knew hoses were so expensive. And he, he gives me the hose, go back to the house, and I'm really excited because we're about to have some flow. Well, now the hose is detached, so we have zero flow. And I get home, and I try to attach the mechanisms. And, again, these are very specific. So right away I knew it was wrong because I couldn't fit the hose down the tube. And then the threads on the little mechanisms were different. And so I looked at the girls, and I said, girls, it's not working. And I said, and at that time, I discovered that uh, my little one was sick. Uh, so you could imagine uh, her nose is running. She's not feeling good. So I said, girls, we're just not going to have any flow tonight. Okay, we're, we're just going to, we're not going to go back to the plumber. We're going to go back in the morning. And how many know it, it's, 
it's first world problems, but when you don't have a sink and you have three kids and an international high school boy from China that lives with you that loves to eat, dishes start to pile up and stuff starts to get a little bit messy when you don't have flow. Not to mention that bathroom water does not taste the same as kitchen water. You know that to be true. And so let me show you. Uh, this is our pots and pans that were piling up that day. I knew God was going to use this somehow, so I captured the moment. So just in case you think our kitchen's always clean and, like, we live on a cloud, we don't. And I don't mind doing dishes, but the hard part is, is when there's no flow, things start to dry up. Things start to get cakey. And especially on pans, the oil, the grease, all that stuff kind of cakes on particles of chicken because we left it on because we got kids and we burnt it and so it sticks to the bottom, <laughs> that type of stuff. Real life, people. And, uh, and so no problem. Anybody can go one day without flow. Anybody. So get up the next morning and uh, go back and say, hey, man, it's the wrong one. And he's like, mm. you're going to have to order it. I'm like, bro, I got three kids, man. We need water. And uh, so he says, I got a better idea. 20 bucks more, you could replace the whole thing. So I was like, I said, sir, I, I have a leak. I do not want a flood. Uh, I am not the best handy guy. And if I proceed to try to replace the entire unit, we might have potential problems. You always see and have those images in your mind of you hit one little screw or something's rotted, and next thing you know, you're, you're, you're flooding. But nevertheless, I took him up on a challenge. Long story short, go back, replace it. God is still in the business of miracles. It worked. <laughs> but I left my sink uncovered for three days because I was sure it was going to leak at some point again. And I knew that God was going to use this somehow, but I didn't know how he was going to use it. And I remember this last week, God completely changed my message series. We were going to go into an apologetic series, and we had been prepping and planning for that, and we're going to do it down the road. But I really felt like God say, I want you to shift gears, and it's, it's going to be revived. It's going to be this imagery of a cloud of I want to revive the, the hearts and the lives of my people. And, and what I really felt that the Lord speak to my heart was, Matt, I need you to understand and be very mindful uh, that you are prone to leaks spiritually. Like, you are prone to leaks with me in your relationship with me. You're prone to leaks spiritually. And a lot of times you think, well, well, why, man? I mean, if God is, is who he is, then why do we have to worry about leaks? And, and the truth of the matter is this, is that when you said yes to Jesus or when you do say yes to Jesus, you're not saying yes to a set of rules and regulations you're saying yes to a life-giving, real, living relationship with God. And I think all of us are aware that all relationships, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, every relationship that we have that's alive, which is most of our relationships, don't have too many relationships with dead things, but any living relationship, we all know that a relationship has the potential to flow. It has the potential to thrive. It has the potential to live, vibrant, life-giving. But at the very same time, a relationship also has the potential to leak. A relationship has the potential to dry up and start to decay. And so I started to, to ask this question of, 
why, God? Like, what? Explain this a little bit deeper to me. So I started to pray and I started to think about this. And I thought we all understand uh, that relationships can go good and they can go bad. They can flow and they could leak. But I started to, to think about all of the other areas in our life that have potential to leak. Areas that I think all of us are all familiar with, again, whether you're following Jesus or you're not following Jesus. I think all of us can identify with some of these areas. Let me show them to you on the screen. The first one, obviously, is our relationships. These are so easy to identify when they have a leak. Like, we know when there's a leak in the relationship. Someone shuts down. Someone's yelling. Right? Whether we deal with it or not is, is another story. But we can all, we're all mindful and aware when there's a leak in a relationship. Uh, some of you guys are sitting next to a leak right now. Don't look. <laughs> I think we're also mindful of our bank accounts. We're like, we're mindful when our bank account is leaking. Hello, somebody. <laughs> like when the bank takes that $3 for overdraft charge that you didn't know that if you make six withdrawals, there's a federal law that they have to, you know, when you're transferring money, they're going to take out 3 to $30, and you're on the phone for an hour saying, refund my money. Because I detect a leak. I think it's easy for us to, uh, to detect leaks in our appearance, or at least for some of us, right? We look in the mirror, and, and we know when something's not right. Or we know when we haven't looked a certain way in front of people. And we feel that leak. And we want to do whatever we can to adjust it and to make it right. What about our, our career? Like, ladies and gentlemen, you know if you're working a job that you hate, there's a leak. Like, I don't have to tell you that. It's, it's just obvious. You feel it. You know that, man, there, maybe there's so much more potential on the inside of you. Maybe there's, there's a, you know, a, a dream that you see in the future, but you're just not quite there, and, and, and you can feel that leak. And then I think just some practical things, uh, especially in Florida right now, gas and food. I had one of my old students call me. She's in South uh, Miami, and she said, Pastor Matt, we miss, like, we can't get out. So we have to hunker down, and this was a couple days ago, and, and I was so grateful that she knew where to call. She says, you know, I got a few kids and my fiancé, would you just pray for us and contend for us? You know, we were able to get food and water, but now there's no gas, food, and water anywhere in our area. How many of you guys know we're mindful of those things? If we don't eat, your stomach reminds you that you're hungry. Um, if we don't have gas, you're reminded very quickly that you're not going anywhere. But, but I started to ask God this question, and you, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down. It's a great question to ask. And the question was this, is why is it so hard at times to detect a leak spiritually? Like, like we, we have, we're, it's so easy to detect these leaks everywhere else. But why is it so hard to detect a leak spiritually? And I thought many times everything may not be perfect. But it's flowing on the surface. Right, we're do, we have a rhythm of life. We get up, we go to work, and do our best to parent, take care of kids, husband, spouse. If you're single, you know, you're on the hunt, trying to figure out what's going on, right? <laughs> like, we, we all, like, we're, we're just flowing. And, and our lives are consumed with so much stuff underneath the sink of our hearts. That I think it's really hard to detect because everything's kind of flowing, everything's basically normal, may not be thriving, may not be horrible, or if it's horrible, we're just kind of, we're just going with the flow. 
And underneath our heart, it's so hard to detect a leak because there's so many things cluttering our soul that we don't recognize a leak until stuff starts to dry up, until circumstances start to blow up. And then all of a sudden, we're like, God, what happened? What's going on? And he's like, you got a leak. You got a leak. And I love what Jesus said because as a pastor, I'm not exempt from this. Matter of fact, like Jesus rebuked the religious leaders really, really harshly um, in his day. Because, I mean, imagine for me, this is what I do. It's so easy for me to look on the outside and, and, and say, man, I'm flowing. But I could be up preaching this message to you and there'd be a massive leak on the inside of my heart. I'm not exempt. In fact, look what Jesus said. He said to the religious leader, he said, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law? Hypocrites. Jesus was keeping it real. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead, bone, dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. And, and I started to think, well, why is this so important? Like, Pastor Matt, why are we talking about leaks today? Like, why is this so imperative for our life? And I need you to really lean in on this because this may answer a question that you've been asking but really haven't realized you've been asking this question. That something's been happening on the inside of you that this one statement may be able to reveal in just a short moment's time the, the, the sense that you've had on the inside of you but you can't figure out, and it's this. This is why it's so important, is that when you're leaking spiritually, when you're leaking spiritually, taking notes, jot this down. It will leave you longing internally. If you're leaking spiritually, it will leave you longing internally. And let me give you an example. You could be leaking in all those other areas, relationships. You could be leaking in your finances. You could be leaking in your appearance or your career or your status. But here's the catch. If you're leaking in all of those areas, but you're not leaking spiritually, it may be tough, but you won't be devastated. But let me tell you the opposite side, that if you're leaking spiritually and you start to leak in all of those other areas, it will be disastrous. Because what happens when we leak spiritually, we start to naturally gravitate towards those other things for our approval, for our joy, for our security. Right? We, we, we start to look at finances as a means of security. We start to look at relationships as a source of our joy and, lo and, and, and cure for loneliness. We start to look at, um, uh, we start to look at uh, uh, things like gas and commodities as, uh, as something we need in over and abundance to, to make sure that, that we're, we're secure and we're safe. And so all of a sudden, if you're leaking spiritually and you're leaking in all those other areas, you are going to have it really rough. Why? Because when we're leaking spiritually, we start to drift away from what's really true. When we're leaking spiritually, we start to put these other things in, that are good in a God place. And they, start to, and, and they begin to let us down and they leave us with an ache and a longing in our heart that's never satisfied. But if you're not leaking spiritually and you're leaking in all these other areas, it's going to be like, okay, it's going to be tough. But can I just tell you that if you're not leaking spiritually, 
you'll probably, you're probably more, less likely to leak in those other areas because you're going to be thinking differently. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect the way you steward your life and your money and your relationships. But I'm telling you, if there's a leak spiritually, I guarantee right now there is a longing internally that you have been working, trying to figure out what is going to work. And it just doesn't seem to be happening. Let me prove it to you. Mark chapter 12. Look what Jesus says. He says, Jesus also taught (laughs) to the religious leaders again. Come on, Jesus. Uh, Beware of these teachers of the religious law. Are you guys awake today? Shout at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say, fix your flow. Fix your flow. All right, here we go. For they prayed around in their flowing robes and received respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head of the table in banquets. Jesus said, man, you guys are flowing on the outside. Even your robes are flowing. But you need all that stuff. You have to. See, these religious leaders, it wasn't, oh, this is what I want. I need to be at the head. Because that makes me feel powerful and secure. I need you to look at me like I am spiritually amazing. Not because I am, but because I need that approval from you. Because there's a desperate leak on the inside of me. And so I need all of, thing, all of these things. Now, there's nothing wrong with sitting at the head of the table. There's nothing wrong with seats of honors. But they loved them. They needed them for life and for joy. If there's a leak spiritually, I guarantee right now you are longing internally. And so as I started kind of unpacking all this, I started to think, why is this so important? Why is it so important that you know today that we are prone to leaks spiritually in our relationship with God? And the first is you might be here today and you're a brand new Christian and you are on fire, right? It's just God is so real to you. You've encountered his presence in a very real way. You're pumped. You're super excited. Can I just tell you that does never, that never has to stop. As long as you recognize that relationship is alive and it's like a fire and not like a thermostat. Because a thermostat, you can set the temperature, and you leave it, and it's, and it's solid. But a thermostat is not alive, and you are in a living relationship with God. And so it's much more like a fire that, man, it can continue to burn. It can get brighter and brighter as long as you're mindful, as long as you're tending to, as long as it has the proper fuel. Now, maybe you're here today, and, man, you are not a Christian. You, you don't follow Jesus. You're like, what are you talking about? A leak spiritually? Like, what does this even mean? I want to get some lunch, right? Maybe you were dragged here. Well, listen, man, this is such a great message for you because it's such a great message for you because there, there is a joy that your heart up to this point has only longed for and never experienced That God is saying, man, I want to invite you into a real life-giving relationship with me. Not a set of rules, not a set of uh, of regulations, not into a religious routine, but in a relational flow that will radically transform everything about your life. A joy that up to this point, you may have thought you've tasted, but you've never tasted this joy. And then maybe you're here today and you've been walking with Jesus for a while. Maybe you're a seasoned vet, right? (laughs) The most scariest ones sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, 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 so maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while, 
and you feel it. There's a leak. Like you just sense it. Even as I'm talking this message, man, the Holy Spirit's bringing things to your mind right now. You know. And you've been longing, and, and you know, but you're like, maybe it'll work. And oh, I just don't have the capacity. I just got to keep pursuing some of these other things. And, and I know, Pastor Matt, I know the truth. And, but inside, you're longing. And my question to you is, why? Why do you want to stay there? And God has given you an invitation today. In fact, that, that longing is God's grace on your life. Some of you have just enough Jesus to make you miserable. Be, why? Because you've tasted. Like you, you've tasted. You've seen. You've experienced. You know. And, and there's nothing like him. And so that longing for you is God's grace to say, All right, man, when are you going to come home? Or at least invite me into that area that's leaking. And so, so as, I was, as, as I was kind of putting my thoughts together, I thought, okay, Lord, well, how do, we, how do we be mindful of areas that we're prone to leak? And what do we do if we're leaking? Like some of you guys are leaking all over the place. <laughs> it's messy. Like, what, do, what, do, what, do we, what do we do? And so, so I want to give you three gauges See, gas is kind of easy. Every single day you look at your gas gauge, and you're just mindful of the tank. And so I thought, Lord, what would be three gauges that we could have in our life that would help us to be mindful of leaks so we don't, you know, spring one, and that would also help us if we're leaking to know what to do? And so I'm going to give you three gauges in the form of three questions. But before we get to the questions, let me paint a picture because the group of people that's going to help us kind of navigate through this is a group of people called the Israelites found in the Old Testament. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you, this may be your first church experience, and you're like, man, the Israelite, who? who is Israel what? And let me, let me paint a quick picture for you. God raised up a man by the name of Moses. If you've seen the Prince of Egypt, it's that guy. And God raised up this guy by the name of Moses to deliver his people, Israel, out of slavery after 400 years. So there was this kind of this, this, uh, this epic tension between the king of Egypt, which was Pharaoh, and God saying, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And God's like, yep. He's like, no. God's like, yep. Pharaoh said, no. God said, ten plagues. I win. Pharaoh says uncle, and he lets, God, he lets God's people go. Come on, second service. You guys should be alive today. That was funny. <laughs> and and he, Pharaoh lets them go. So long story short, they're, they're, they're leaving Egypt after being enslaved for 400 years. Pharaoh changes their mind, begins to pursue Israel to, to wipe them out. They face chariots behind them. They face a Red Sea on the in, on, in front of them. God tells Moses, hey, Moses, take them through, man. God parts the sea. The Israelites go through on the sea. Pharaoh's chariots enter into that, and it's like raging waters gone bad. The water engulfs all the Pharaoh's troops and army, wipes them out. Israel's on the other side of the Red Sea, now wandering in the Dennis, de desert. <laughs> to the dentist, it's kind of like the desert sometimes. <laughs> Woo! And, uh, and God starts to reveal himself in just miraculous ways. I mean, they saw the plagues, they saw the parting of the sea, then God said, hey guys, listen, 
you're not going to be out here in the wilderness by yourself. I'm going to go with you. Matter of fact, there's going to be a cloud by day. And there's going to be a pillar of fire by night so that you know that my presence is with you. By the way, I'm going to give you fresh manna from heaven. They didn't even know what manna was. Manna means what is this? That's, they were like, it's like this, this, this bread from heaven. This is far before Uber Eats. You're actually able to step out of your tent. Listen to me. Not Whole Foods, not Trader Joe's, bread from heaven. That's amazing. Like that, that is, yeah, that is ultimately gluten-free, I'm sure. All that stuff. Amazing. So God provides to them. Then, then as they're walking, God says, listen, I'm going to use, listen, I want to speak to you. The people said, we don't want you to speak to us. We're too afraid. Speak to us through Moses. So Moses would go on the mountaintop into the cloud where God's presence dwelt. And, and as he would dwell and draw through or climb up through the thick cloud on the top of the peak was fire where, where Moses would communicate with God. How many of you guys know Moses did not have a boring prayer life? And so he would come back down and God says, I want to make a covenant with you guys. Listen, if you would just trust me and walk with me, life is going to be amazing. Like I'm for you. I don't want something from you. I want life for you. And life best lived is within the context of, of this relationship that we have and, and, and with the boundaries that I have in place. Not to rob you, but so that you would have the fullness of joy. And the people were like, yes, we're in. We're with you, God. We're in. So Moses one day goes back up on to the mountain to meet with God, and he's taking a long time. It's approaching 40 days, and the people are, they're getting weary. They're getting tired. They've been waiting a long time. They're getting restless. And my first question to you today, which is going to be a great gauge for us as we pick up in our text, and the question is this, are you watching for God or are you wondering about him? Are you watching for God or are you wondering about him? So Moses on the mountaintop, it's, it's, it's almost 40 days, and people are getting restless, and look what they said. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. Here we go. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come on, Aaron. Aaron's Moses' right hand. Aaron is Moses' bro. And he's supposed to hold it down while Moses is on the mountaintop, but Aaron is not a strong leader. And he gets influenced really easy by the people. And they said, we want a God. And Aaron's like, well, I don't think that's a good idea. Fine, I'll make you one. And, uh, and so they said, come on. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt. And then they continue. And it said, all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron then Aaron took the gold and melted it down and molded it in the shape of a calf. When the people of Israel saw it, they exclaimed, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Let's, let's pause there for a moment. So kind of get this picture. They're experiencing manna miraculously from heaven still every single morning. But they stopped watching. They're looking at that mountain every single day. Man, Moses coming down. I'm going to hear from God. No. You see a cloud. 
And it's just taking a long time. And so, so here they, they go from watching to wondering. They were watching because they knew what God had said. They knew that God had make it, made a covenant with them. They knew what God had promised. They knew how this whole thing worked. Moses goes up on the mountain, comes down, speaks to the people. Like, like, like they caught that. But they went from watching to wondering. I wonder if, wonder if he's coming down. I wonder if he's going to come through. Hey, maybe this guy, maybe Moses is dead. Like, it's been a while. I wonder if God has let us down. I wonder if God is, is not going to come through. So they started to, 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 to wonder rather than watch. And so long story short, they built this calf. Now, this is, this is crazy. Whenever you start to wonder about God, you'll start to wander from him. Whenever you start to wonder if he's true or his promises, are they legit? Is God really going to come through? At that point, you've sprung a leak. And it's at that point that you start to wander. And the stuff that we wander to is crazy. A calf. Hey, guys, I got a great idea. Let's make a god of our earrings and let's make a cow. But the reason why they did that is because back in Egypt... That was a God that the, that the Egyptians worshipped. Matter of fact, one of the plagues, if you remember, was the plague of livestock. God destroyed them and said, hey, your cows aren't that solid. But they go back and they start to build, they build a calf and they start to worship it. Now, can I just tell you, when, when sin and rebellion start to enter in, into our hearts, we start to lose our minds. And it's so easy, it's so easy to look at them and be like, you guys are ridiculous. But how many times have we stopped watching, we've resorted to wondering, and we find ourselves wandering away from God and making gods with our hands that we're trusting to protect us, knowing that they didn't bring us out of Egypt, knowing that they didn't, they weren't the ones who protected us and cared for us. But, but we, we, we lose it, and we think like it's going to work. And so, so, so get this, I want, you, I, I want you to get this picture because it's easy to ridicule them. But I think so many times this is a great picture of our life. This is like the greatest backsliding moment in the Bible. Of a community that said, God, we're just not too sure about you anymore. We were watching, but now we're, we're kind of wondering. And we're wondering. I, I, remember, uh, I remember it was, I just started following Jesus uh, probably for, it's probably been about three years at this time. And, and uh, we're in a mobile home. We lived in a mobile home. Some of you guys have never lived in a mobile home. Don't judge me, all right? And uh, we lived in a mobile home. And I remember I was, I was <laughs> don't judge me on this either. I was in the bathtub, all right, a bubble bath, and I was reading my Bible. I'm telling you, Revelation, there's a download in the shower in the tub. I, I, was, I, was, in, I was reading my Bible, Matthew chapter 24. And I was, uh, I, was, I was reading this particular passage that said in speaking about the last days that there will be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in various places. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Jesus was saying, hey, be watchful. Be mindful when you start to see these things. Now, now I'm reading my Bible and I'm like, man, that's, that sounds great. But in my heart, it wasn't real. In my heart, it was 
Okay, like, man, what a great passage. Okay, in the end times, this was okay. But it seemed like it was so far away. And then I remember laying down in my bed that night, and a plane flew over. Our, our, we lived close to, to an airport, and a plane flew right over our mobile home. And as, as, as it, it, was, it was, it was an older one, and it just felt like it shook that thing. And I remember, I remember this feeling of, what if that would have crashed into our house? What would I grab? What would I, you know, what, what, would, what would I do? Long story short, I wake up the next morning, September 11th. Nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And it was like, I stepped back, was like, looked at my Bible, I looked at the news, I was like, like this is, you're not playing. Like this stuff is, you're really speaking, like this is really true. And, and so many times, listen, we, we, we can get so distracted from God. Now, now the fact that they built a calf and all that stuff, that's not the good part of this particular point. This is the longest point, so don't get nervous that we're going to go super long today. But, but this, 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 is, this is what happened to them, and it's found in Exodus 32, verse 25 and 26. Moses has come down from the mountain because God said, your people have lost their mind. You need to go figure it out, Mo. So Moses comes down the mountain, and it says, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained. Now, this word unrestrained, it, it comes with the notion that they were taken off their clothes. Religious prostitution, orgies, just filth. I mean, it's amazing. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. Always. And, and he said, he said, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp, and the Lord said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. Now, the only other time that this word unrestrained is used in the scriptures is found in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And look what it says. It says that where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. And so what happened is, these people began to lose sight. Well, lose sight of what? Well, if you go back into the original language, into the Hebrew, let me show you. I'm going to take you a little bit deep, then we're going to come out we're going to breathe, okay? In the Hebrew, this word vision is, is kazon, which means revelation. It means that these guys lost sight of the revelation of who God is, of what he's spoken, of the promises that he made, the covenant that he's established. They lost their vision. And if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Where there is no vision, there is no vision. And they began to lose their mind because they lost sight. They lost touch with this reality of the revelation of who God is and what he said. Now, before we judge these people, let me bring you to the last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. It's the second to last verse. John writing, Jesus speaking, look what it says. He who testifies to these things saying, look what Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. When was the last time you thought about Jesus coming soon? If it's been a while, you probably stopped watching. And you've probably started wondering. And there was a result, there's probably areas that have been wandering. And you're building for yourself something that's not going to work. Like, like think about this for a moment. 
Yes, I am coming soon. I love what John, John throws in a little tag, a little hashtag at the end. Amen. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Like, I'm waiting on you. Now, now I say this to you. Listen, I say this not, not to make anybody feel guilty in here, but I say this to encourage you to say, listen, how would life be different if you lived in such a way where you were watching every moment for his coming? How would life be different? How would, I mean, that would reprioritize your entire life. Like, when, when Jesus, is, his last words were not going to the world and make disciples, his last words were, I'm coming soon. Are you watching or are you wondering? Because if you're wondering, you are on the verge or you are already leaking. Well, what do I do? Start watching. Look up. He's coming soon. What if he came like right now? Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, boom, everybody's like, I'm left behind. Like, didn't even get time for the altar call. Oh, that'd be horrible. Question number two, and we're moving along. Question number two. Is God's presence a priority? Is God's presence a priority? Let, let me explain. So a disastrous thing happened. These guys, about 3,000 of them died. And God said, you know what, Moses? Um, go ahead into the promised land. Look what, look what he says in Exodus 33, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, leave this place. You and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go to the land that I promised you on the oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give you your descendants. Continue. Look what the Lord says. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, Parasites, Hivites, Jebusites, all those ites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but look what the Lord says. But I will not go with you. Because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you along the way. Check this out. Look what's being offered here. I don't know why I keep leaning down. I, I'm, so if I'm a little loopy today, I, I woke up with a fever, sore throat, body aches. I've been, I'm on a lot of medication. So, um, <laughs> and I keep bending down. I don't even know why. <laughs> Listen to me. He said, but I will not go with you. Look what God is offering them. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you military success. I'm going to give you all the success you've ever dreamed of. I'm going to give you comfort beyond what you could even imagine. I'm going to wipe all of your enemies out. I'm going to give you an economic provision that you only wished and could dream of. I'm going to give you everything you've always desired. The only catch is you don't get me. How many of us? would have said deal. Deal. I mean, really think about what, what he's asking. I'm going to give you all of this. You just don't get me. Some of us might have felt like, well, God, hey, I was stuck in Egypt for 400 years. Where were you then? I'm taking this deal. But the people responded completely different. These guys may have been stiff-necked, but they weren't spiritually blind. And look what they said. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. What they basically said was, what? And it grieved them. They were mourning. Man, distraction from God will always leave you distant from joy. It just always does. 
And, and here these guys are, they're mourning, they're trying to figure all of this out, and God is offering them power, success, he's promising everything. It would be as if God came to our church and said, hey guys, I'm going to give you the biggest building in the city. You guys, I'm going to give you the best worship equipment. I'm going to send floods of people here. Your talks are even going to be, your sermons are going to be inspiring. I'm going to bless you with everything. The bank account's going to be stacked. I'll give you 20 campuses. The only difference is I'm not going with you. You know, I, I had an experience of this um, over the last couple of weeks, and I, I want to share it with you. But this particular one is probably the hardest to see. Like all of us would say, well, yeah, that's ridiculous. The problem is we don't see it like that. Can I tell you why? It's so hard for us to detect this leak because we always equate prosperity with God's presence. Like, man, if things are flowing, he must be with me. Things are working. I must be solid. God said, you can prosper and I'm not even there. Sometimes prosperity, apart from God, could be the greatest form of his wrath. Like, okay, go ahead, guys, but you don't get me. And it's so hard to detect because it's such a, it's such a small leak, and, and we, we connect prosperity to presence, and, and it can get a little bit confusing, and we think that when things are going bad, God's not present. When things are going good, he must be present, and that's not the gospel. That's not the truth. And so, so, so check this out. So, so this, a couple of weeks ago, let me show you how it's, it's so easy. It's so easy. So a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in our district meeting, and a guy got up. He's another pastor, and he said, hey, you know, I just want to share with you something that God did in my life. He said, uh, I had really connected with another network outside of our denomination, Foursquare, and I started to really kind of get resentful towards our denomination, Foursquare, because kind of just felt like they weren't catching up. They weren't on board. And so he said, I started to have all this trouble with my leadership in my church. And he said, the flow was messed up. Like things were leaking all over the place, essentially. And so when he asked the Lord, he said, God, what, what's going on? And, and God, he said, man, God spoke so clearly to me. He said, you brought this on. And he's like, what? He said, yeah, you brought this on because you're not submitted to your leadership. So listen, as he's saying this, this is hitting me like a ton of bricks because the same thing was happening in my heart. Because I've connected with a lot of people, built a lot of relationships outside of our denomination, which is totally fine and, and okay. But as a result of, I kind of looked at our denomination like, man, you guys are falling behind. Like, come on, we got to move. And resentment got in my heart. And so we're doing everything illegally and logistically 100%. But my heart was not with them. I wasn't heart and soul. And so I'm like, how can I expect you as our church to be heart and soul with us if I'm not heart and soul with our, our leadership? So I called my district supervisor and I repented. I talked to our team, called them up, said, guys, I repent. We haven't done anything wrong logistically, but my heart has not been with, you know, with, with, with those who are leading us. And I repent to you as a church today to say that, man, 
that I, I'm such a guy of honor. Like, I honor my pastor that, that we left from. I believe in that so much. But there was a leak, and I couldn't, I couldn't see it. But I tell you what, as soon as I repented, God changed my message. It was like the heavens open, and I started, it's, all, it's like the flow. Like something fresh in my heart. I said, I'm not preaching on apologetics. I need to preach on revival. Because there is a cloud. It's amazing. And, it, and, it, and it's so subtle. It's so hard to see. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and Jeff, you can come up and play for me. It's crazy because so many times we, we, we miss these, these small leaks that make such a huge difference and impact our flow. And not a whole lot of people are aware and are longing for the presence of God. So many people would just take the deal. But if you get the presence of God, you get all the land. You get everything you need. If you don't even have anything, you're fine. Because Christ is enough. His presence is enough. Last question, and we're, and we're moving on. Last question is this. Do you desire God's presence more than his provision? Do you desire God's presence more than his provision? So Moses, the people mourn. They don't put on their ornaments. They said, listen, we're not even going to go about our day. This is a huge point. Just lean into this just for one moment. The people did not put their ornaments on. What they were saying is, this is so disastrous, I can't even go on my, about my day until it's rectified. I can't even get dressed. When's the last time that you felt like that? Like, can you go about your day without his presence? Because everything's flowing on the surface, but underneath there's a lot of clutter, there's a lot of junk, and it's hard to see some leaks that might be happening. But, but do you long for his presence at all? And Moses, he, he looks at the Lord, and Moses does what, what Moses does. Look what he does. Exodus chapter 33, verse 9, it says, When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. You want to know what's so powerful this? The cloud wasn't just on the mountaintop. The cloud was also in the valley. God just doesn't speak on the mountains. He speaks in the valleys. And Moses, Moses was hearing from God. And Moses told the Lord, he said, listen, Lord, if your presence does not go before us, I don't want to go. We're not going to go. I don't care about the land if I don't have you. I don't care about any of that. But here, here, here's the key with Moses, is not even that was enough. You want to know if you're leaking spiritually is if you're satisfied spiritually. If you're satisfied, there's a leak, ladies and gentlemen. What do you mean by that? Moses said, yeah, yeah, that's, if you don't go, we don't want to go. God says, that's the heart I'm looking for. I'm going to go with you. Moses said, yeah, but that's not enough. I'm not even thinking about the land. But there's one thing that I just, I, I desperately need. It's great you're going to go with us, but look what Moses says. Moses says, please show me your glory. And I will make, and look what the Lord said. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. All right, now let me piece all this together for us as we wrap up. Moses said, I'm not satisfied with just you going. I want to see you. And when the glory of God, this is what the Lord said. All right, Moses, I'm going to have to put you in a rock, bro. 
Because if you see me, you're going to die. You're just going to catch my back end, all right? So I'm going to put you in a rock, and I'm going to pass by. And sometimes we think of, of God's presence as this kind of spooky, mysterious light. But no, God says, I'm going to pass before you, and what you're going to experience, what a great under, this, this, is, this is, what does it look like to be revived by the presence of God? What does it look like for God to reveal his glory and his presence? God begins to reveal his character in such a deep revelation that melts you to a point where you're never the same. See, these people were lacking revelation. These people were lacking it. They lost sight of who God was. And, and, and God said, listen, I'm going to pass by you, but it's going to be my goodness. Not some mysterious thing. No, my goodness, you're going to, my name, I'm going to declare my name to you. I'm going to give you a great revelation of who I am. Isaiah said the mountains melt in his presence. When the glory of God passes by and the presence of God is manifested, it melts us in such a way where we're not melting gold to build a calf. It melts our hearts to worship God. So let me just tell you this. Let me just close with this today. If you don't settle in the cloud, you'll settle for a cat.